It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. We've been talking a ton of basketball the last few weeks, and we will do some of that in a few minutes. But it is the NFL draft uh, starting tonight with a little less buildup for Missouri fans this year than in past years because there aren't likely to be any Missouri players here. Their name called tonight. But we are going to talk about the draft with Eric Edholm, NFL writer and uh, draft uh Guru, you're going to be a guru today, Eric, with Pro Football <laughs> Weekly. I can handle that. I've, I haven't been called a guru too often. I'm I'm, I'm pretty good with that. Yeah, I, I mean that's a, if you have to pick a title, guru is not bad. So, <laughs> all right. So you basically um, have subsisted on coffee and Red Bull for the last week, getting all this yep. mock draft stuff going. Your last mock draft came out uh, just just here in the last few hours, and. Sam Darnold, number one to the Cleveland Browns. You feel good about that? Uh, no, I do not, actually. Can I make a change? That's uh, that's what I'm thinking. I think I even hedged in there and wrote, look, it's either going to be Darnold at one, Mayfield at three, or Mayfield at one, Darnold at three. So, look, that's, that's what we do in our business, right? We present a situation, and then we back it up and cover our butts. So, yeah, I, you know. The, the fascinating thing is we really haven't had a draft where the first pick has been in question. I think – 2004, when Eli Manning was sort of staging his little uh, boycott of the Chargers, that was really, unless I'm forgetting one along the way, that's the last time we've had this much drama leading into the, you know, the 24 hours prior to the draft. So it's been fun. I mean, look, I think I think Thursday night's going to be fantastic. I think there's a lot of mystery, but yeah, I, at this point, all signs point to uh, Baker, the candlestick maker, going to Cleveland. Interesting, interesting. Uh, just before we get on to the uh, the Mizzou guys, what are kind of your your top five? Yeah, I mean, it's an unusual year. If we're just going strictly regardless of position, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of just talent, I'd put an offensive guard at one. That's Quentin Nelson from sure. Notre Dame. I mean, if I had to pick one guy that I was pretty sure was not going to bust, barring, you know, a freakish injury or something like that, I would say Nelson. I really think so. And, you know, I'd probably have Bradley Chubb, up there. I think Saquon Barkley is going to be something in the NFL. He, he may not be Jim Brown, but he's going to be a very, very good back in this league. So those are my top overall, regardless of position players. And then the quarterbacks started coming, but we know obviously QBs are going to go high. It's going to be Mayfield. It's going to be Darnold somewhere in the top three picks. Um, you know, where Josh Allen ends up, where Josh Rosen ends up. That's where the excitement comes in because I suspect they're going to go to teams with trades. So my top five is going to include some non, non-quarterbacks non in there uh, just to kind of play safe on that one. And now, I will fully admit to having lost some interest in the NFL draft over recent years. Um, I, I think the uh, Waterloo of my interest in the draft was the Chiefs taking Eric Fisher number one overall. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs don't have a pick tonight, so I don't really care. But it, just explain a couple of things to me um, before we move on. So – I, tell me that I'm wrong in saying Saquon Barkley is the best player in this draft. Roquan Smith is the best defensive player. And explain to me why Josh Rosen is going behind all these other quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, you know, Roquan Smith, let's start with him. I mean, I, I liked him throughout the process. The more I drilled down on him and the more I watched him, the less I cared that he was 231 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, it just, you, you can pick hole, poke holes in him all you want. He is just a fantastic football player. 
And I think he'll grow into that Bobby Wagner size player. You're telling me that can't work in the NFL. So yeah, I had him at number eight when I made this list two months ago. I would put him closer to number three, four, or five if I could redo it. So I had Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State a couple notches ahead of him. They're different players, but I would probably think about flip-flopping those two. I just There's something special about Roquan. The thing about Barkley, the one hesitation I have, total nitpick here. Look, I get it. This is what we get to at this stage of the process. For a 233-pound guy, he tries to run a little bit like Reggie Bush. Like he, You wish a guy with that kind of lower body power, that kind of mass, would run some people over. I never really saw him truck anybody. But then again, when you can run around him, <laughs> why induce the contact? So you're right. He's virtually you know, flawless other than that. Cool. Uh, Eric, going to transition more into some of the guys that are – Listeners probably uh, care a little bit more about. They probably won't hear their names called for a few days. But uh, starting with Jamon Moore, the only Missouri player who was invited to the Combine, he uh, seemed to do pretty well in most of his uh, agility drills, struggled a little bit in the 40-yard dash, but then improved that time a little bit at Missouri's Pro Day. Uh, Where do you see uh, Jamon Moore potentially falling? Yeah, I do think you're right. It is going to be a couple of days. I mean, I... It's one of those drafts, especially if you just take a you pull back and look at the wide receiver class. There aren't a lot of number one receivers. There aren't a lot of guys who are going to step in the league and just be their team's top receiver, even in a year or two. I think it's more of a class of twos, threes, and fours. And that doesn't mean there aren't going to be good players. I think there's a lot of them, actually. So it's very deep at receiver. But I don't know if there's that one standout guy. So mm-hmm. teams will look for those elite qualities right and Jamon has nice size he has physical I thought his combine workout was fantastic people were saying oh the slow 40 yard dash I mean look that agility at his size that's that's borderline exceptional Mm -hmm. so what he did in Indy I thought was really good the drop clearly an issue you know just the consistency you know there were some you know production's great but does with some of that from the scheme and, and some of that from coverages he saw, yeah. I think he's got some feistiness in his game. I'd like to see it a little bit more. But, yeah, I think we're probably talking about round four, round five. Could he slip to round six? Sure. That's mm-hmm. my guess on where he kind of stands right now. Gotcha. Is he, in your opinion, the first Missouri player off the board? Um, Marcel Fraser has a chance, but I don't feel like it's a slam dunk. He gets picked. And then I know that, that you have kind of a, a top 100 and said that you had Anthony Sherrill's just outside of that. Anthony Sherrill's, and it's not just because I attended Mizzou. Honestly, he's one of the probably the five or six players I feel like have emerged, like truly emerged, like where there was serious doubt about them as, as prospects. You guys saw early in the year, didn't know what was going on with him, didn't look like the – the player they hoped him to be and all that stuff. and But I think really, actually, the funny thing is it was the Auburn game that, that I first noticed him where terrible game for Mizzou, but he made some really nice plays in that game. And, of course, as Mizzou started winning later in the season, he showed up. The Florida game made that athletic interception along the sideline. There were some, some really good flash plays there, and he's got some subtleness to his game where – he was baiting quarterbacks into throwing the ball. He was taking really smart angles in traffic as a box safety, coming up, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Look, is he 
is he going to be a fantastic center fielder, even with all that athleticism? I don't know. That's hard to project. But he is a name that has come up in scouting circles. I really think that his his pro day workout certainly helped boost that. But I think it was also t- people like going back and looking at the tape and, and saying maybe he's a little better than we realized. So safety is a tough position to project if he's not intercepted a tough ton of passes, you know, making a bunch of tackles for loss. So. I'm going to roll the dice here, and I'm going to say Anthony Sherrill has a chance to be the first Mizzou player, even with, you know, defensive ends in, in need. Frazier, another good workout, too. I just feel like Sherrill has a chance to surprise some people and maybe go in round four. Interesting, interesting. Circling back a little bit to uh, Frazier, what are just yeah. kind, of the, uh, kind of the concerns about him that, that could potentially, you know, keep him from getting picked? Just a little inconsistency there. Maybe he didn't play to his testing numbers. You know, those numbers he put up at the pro day. People went, whoa, mm-hmm. hey, okay, that's good. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think what helps him is obviously the, the D-end factory they've had there, really the D-line factory. And mm-hmm. NFL teams now feel like there's a pretty good pedigree there where they were trained well. You know, they have good a pattern of success in the NFL. People look at, you know, Marcus Golden and company and say, okay, that's you know, that's a player who flew under the radar for a while and all of a sudden he was a second-round pick and now he's backing it up with some pretty good play. So I'm not saying he's that good a player. He's not, but that could help his case. There are teams that need pass rushers every year in the NFL, so that also helps them. I've heard the uh, Packers and Saints are two teams that have done a lot of work on them. Mm-hmm. The Bears have done work on Sherrills. I know that's been a, a, a team that's been mentioned. Houston Texans have been mentioned for Javon Moore as a team that's – done a little extra work on him as well again who knows how it all shakes out but Mm -hmm. yeah Frazier not gonna last too long with that size and that quickness and you know he shows some fire on tape too he shows some competitiveness all right so the 2018 draft it just kind of so-so for Missouri fans but 2019 is one that uh if I set the over under at 1.5 first rounders from Missouri next year where do you go yeah, Beckner and Locke, I would assume, are your picks, right? Yeah. Um, I, yes. Or am I missing I, No, I was I was trying to think of two, like, really obscure guys that I could throw out there, but yeah, Beckner <laughs> and Locke. <laughs> right, right, right. I like I like the linebacker, though. What, uh, Hall, right? Terrence, Terrence Hall, Hall yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a fun player. But, yeah, I can't quite go that high on him. But, yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. And, and is there a chance Beckner gets a little lost in the shuffle in a deep rotation up front? Yeah, maybe. Usually those things get sorted out. We have Deron Payne from Alabama, who I think had yeah. three sacks in his three years, five tackles for loss. He's probably going to be a top 25 pick. So when you're as big as Terry is, unless something medical happens, we know the history of the knee injuries, that's probably the biggest question. I think Drew Locke is on pace to be a first-round pick for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's, you know, he's had the production. He's started to move up. Could be in the system that really features his talents even more for NFL people. You know, we'll see what Derek Dooley does and all that. But, yeah, I I just feel like if we look at a quarterback and say, yeah, he's okay. Uh, First of all, the the class next year doesn't look all that inspiring to me for quarterbacks. It's not going to be anything like what we see this year. Number two, any team that misses out on on a QB this year, and there will be a few, have to be interested next year. Their, their value always gets boosted up by a round or two more than where we think they're going to be unless they're a Rose and a Darnold or somebody like that where they're just so highly touted coming into the year. So I'm going to go over 
with the idea that Beckner stays healthy and has, you know, a, fu- a good final season. Eric, you said, you know, you do expect uh, Drew Locke to be picked in the first round next year, but, you know, this year uh, kind of the grades that, that we heard he was getting from NFL scouts indicated kind of a maybe second to fourth round pick, third or fourth round pick. What kind of is the, the biggest thing that, that he needs to improve that maybe you expect him to prove this year um, that would boost him up to the first round? Yeah, and I think it was funny because I think when you guys talked to him, you know, right after he kind of said what his grades were, I think he brought up, you know, he self-reported the uh, the intermediate game stuff. And it, it almost felt like he kind of rolled his eyes a little bit. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Obviously, some of that is schematic, right? You know, the, Mizzou was like a, a, an NBA offense, layups and, and three-pointers, right? So, <laughs> I mean, I love it, right? That's college football these days, so – Part of that is schematic. We'll see what Dooley does. If if Drew can show he can stick the ball in there in the middle of the field and on the sidelines and tight windows, a lot of those questions get answered. He's got the athleticism. Does he go off script and, and make some poor decisions? Absolutely. Does he force some passes? Sure. But, you know, some of those things get worked out with maturity. You know, he's got a great tight end. He's got some skilled players that I think will help him. Got a good run game. You know, the, the, the seeds are there for him, even against SEC competition, to have a good final season. I mean, Jay Cutler was on a terrible football team. He had great physical skills. You know, he was competitive in college. He didn't have anyone really around him except Earl Bennett. You know, he was the 13th pick in the draft. So these things can, can uh, you know, can happen that way. Sure. Um, another guy talking about, you know, kind of guys down the line, 2019 maybe, 2020 draft picks is uh, Albert Okwebunum, the tight end. Uh you know, I'm just kind of curious, what is kind of his ceiling, and is he potentially good enough to, if he has a, another great year this year, to, to leave because he is a redshirt sophomore, or is that crazy to think that he could be you know, ready I don't want to get Gabe mad and start throwing Tony <laughs> Gonzalez out there. That's just unfair, right? But, but Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I, I mean, you know, no, no pressure, kid, but you're probably a <laughs> Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, right. Could you be might be the best tight could... end that's ever played football. Yeah, right, exactly. Kellen Winslow, whoever, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you still want to see the full picture of him blocking and doing all the things that a typical, you know, inline tight end might do. Is he going to be asked to do that on a weekly basis? Probably not. But boy, from like just a ball skill standpoint and a physical size and you know the athletic standpoint, it's it looks pretty darn good. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I'd have to do a little more homework on him, but my layman's impression is that. He looks darn good off the hoof. And I think another year of, of catching passes, red zone targets, athletic grabs where you adjust the ball in the air and all that stuff. I mean, that's really, you know, we can talk about two-way tight ends all we want in the NFL. How many are there? Gronk? Right. You know, Kelsey? I mean, there's really not – you know, Kelsey runs seam routes. He runs fades. He's, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's an unbelievably – great big wide receiver he'll knock you out if you piss him off too (laughs) and and he's got that to him too i mean there just aren't too many guys who can do the whole package as a tight end so why not feature him as a great you know slot receiver and and make him that i think i think there's a bright future for him i have no idea what what his you know his possibilities are for 2019 well the reason like you do mock drafts and i don't i remember when the chiefs drafted tony gonzalez i'm like sweet they just traded up 15 spots to draft a <laughs> basketball player that plays tight end this is great and it, i know it, what it like seemed to work pick, right it yeah. just at the time it was stunning and everybody went oh my goodness but yeah. it's crazy you know yeah. i mean this 
obviously Albert doesn't have that kind of ability. I was kidding when I said it, but yeah, I mean, could he be? Could he be something special? I think so. All right. So last thing for you, Eric, and we'll let you run because you got a busy day. I hate questions like this, so I'm going to ask it of you because sure. I've known you for a while. So ten years down the road, we're looking at this draft. Who do you look at and say, this guy had the best NFL career in this draft? And who do you look at and say, hey, this is the this is like the Tony Mandarich Ryan Leaf of this draft? Yeah, and look, it's so low-hanging low fruit to go after Josh Allen, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. for even casual observers of the draft, I think they know his story. Wyoming quarterback completed 56, 57% of his passes, you know, had moments where he looked completely clueless out there. Do I think he has the highest bus rate of all the, like, the first-round quarterbacks? Yes, I do. Uh, so I would have to nominate him because I think he's going to be a top-five pick. And I think whatever general manager drafts him could lose their job, too. I mean, that's the, the reality of the situation. GMs are getting canned more often. Teams move on from quarterbacks faster than they did a generation ago. So he's got that bus quality to him. And and I just I go back to Quentin Nelson. It's not sexy to pick an offensive guard, but – we could be looking at Larry Allen here. I really think that that storyline has been undersold. He could play, I don't know, four positions on the line. He could play, he could be a Hall of Fame left guard. He could be a very good left tackle, or he could play on the right side and be great at that. I just, you don't see guys his size, his talent, his movement skills. I tried to find a sack he gave up in his career. Wow. I had to go back to 2015 against Sam Hubbard in Ohio <laughs> State. So that's kind of what we're looking at. All right, so basically what Eric just told us is with the first pick tonight, the Cleveland Browns take Josh Allen, quarterback from University oh, of Wyoming. Right. God, wouldn't that just be – I mean, look, I know it's <laughs> probably not happening, but we, we had that rumor going long enough where it went, oh, my God, are they really going to go down this road? Well, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. <laughs> All right, man. A- Eric, appreciate it. I know this is like your busiest day of the year, so thanks for taking some time. We'll catch up. Thanks, Eric. All right, fellas. Good hearing from you. Thanks. All right, have a good one. Eric at home, Pro Football Weekly. He does a great job. Like, look, there are a million mock drafts out there, but there are a few people who have actually been doing this for a while, and and Eric does a good job. So are you like a draft guy or not? Not really, not really. But I do want to say that, you know, I'm a Broncos fan. Broncos had the fifth pick tonight, and since the college season ended, I have been touting Quentin Nelson for number five. Eric does have Quentin Nelson as a – who's their quarterback? Uh, Well, it's kind of to be determined, but Case Keenum most likely. Oh, right, because I heard like he walked in on some meeting between yeah, Elway yeah. And, and Baker Mayfield or something. So I used to watch the draft all the time. I, it's harder and harder for me now. But, um, it, look, bringing this back to Mizzou, it's not hard to figure out why Missouri football's been what it is the last three years. You just start – like they might not have a guy go in the first four rounds. Pro Day was kind of a graveyard this year. I, it's not hard to figure out. They haven't had the talent. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, going back to Pro Day, like, you know – Jamon Moore and uh, Marcel Frazier and Anthony Sherrills were all like really excited after their after their pro days, but like you know, only getting one guy even invited to the combine is is, is yeah. pretty telling of you know pretty much anyone who gets invited to the combine usually is a, you know first three round pick or, or yeah, and else. and so I think next year Locke goes round one, Beckner one or two, Therese Hall is is probably a top half of the draft guy. I think Paul Adams is a middle of the draft guy. Um, I'm probably missing some, but those four right there, I mean, I I think, you know, Albert could theoretically leave early. Frankly, Jordan Elliott, if he's as good as people say, could theoretically leave early. Antar Thompson's already like 32 years old, (laughs) so he could leave. You know, I mean, you're going to hear more Missouri guys, which then translates to this should be a better Missouri team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we, uh, it's, 
we're not draft experts. It's hard to predict, you know, what what type of pro players guys like Therese Hall and Paul Adams should be. And but they they have a lot of you know starters coming back on on a on the offensive line at linebacker that, that we know can can do something in college. So the expectation obviously is pretty high for this season. And just in general, this draft, like, I don't know, man. This goes against everything I've always said because like when Chase Daniel was a recruit and. I, I argued and argued to to give him a four-star because if you can put up those numbers, if you can be that productive, you deserve it. So this is the direct opposite of that. Baker Mayfield scares the hell out of me if I'm an NFL team. Yeah, And I mean, not because I think he's going to get in trouble yeah. and run away from the cop. Like, I, he scares me as an NFL quarterback. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like Baker. I really I do. I liked watching him play. Um, I don't. I'm not an NFL scout at all by any means. I think obviously there's been guys that have proven that that you can be undersized and do it. You know, Russell Wilson, Drew B, Drew Brees. I don't love the Russell Wilson to Baker Mayfield comparisons. Uh, I just I I think Russell Wilson's a better athlete. But uh, yeah, I mean, I personally, you know, I like I said, my team has a pick in the top five, and I want them to stay away from the quarterbacks uh, in part because I think their defensive window is closing rapidly. But also, I just like. I, I don't know. I think quarterbacks get so overvalued that you'll know if you have one that's really a like first round slam dunk, like he's gonna go one or two, and then after that, taking a quarterback in the first round is a really risky way to spend a top five or ten pick. Total crapshoot. I'm scared to death of the next three years that the Chiefs <laughs> took a guy that is gonna flame out while Deshaun Watson becomes an all pro. So I have had my fill of Broncos talk. You have probably had your fill of Chiefs talk. So <laughs> let's uh, let's finish it up. The last few minutes. Uh, Look, the, the story is still like basketball recruiting. Like, that's mm-hmm. what the story is. So, Blake Henson was on an official visit. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it was Monday and Tuesday. Yes. Keegan wrote a story this morning. Like, you read that story. It's hard to come away with any other conclusion than at some point in the next 10 days, Blake Henson's probably going to commit to Missouri. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. He seemed super impressed. Uh he talked a lot about the facilities, about Conzo Martin's sales pitch, which actually he described as not even a sales right. pitch, just very honest up front. Um, and he, he said that his priorities were early playing time and winning. And while, you know, Ole Miss and Washington State can provide the early playing time, they're quite frankly looking at probably some rough years before it gets better at Ole Miss. I don't know if it'll ever get better at Washington State. So, right. I mean, I, I would certainly have to think Missouri's the favorite right now. And then Drew Smith, the transfer guard from Evansville, uh, we just confirmed this morning, actually, because we knew he was on. He was scheduled for a visit Friday and Saturday, which never made sense to us because the entire staff's going to be out of town. Right. So he was on that visit the last two days. Uh, we will do our best to get a hold of him. No mm-hmm. promises. We'll see how it goes. And then all indications are Courtney Ramey is making an announcement tomorrow, and I would say Missouri fans set your expectations low. Yeah, I mean, that recruitment, uh, quite frankly, it is kind of nice to see it uh, come to a close. It's yes. been a little bit stressful for, for those of us who have had to try to report on it. Um, it seems that the fact that they could never get him to campus uh, a second time after that Arkansas game seems rather telling to me that it seems unlikely he, he will uh, choose the Tigers, but well, I guess we'll know for sure pretty soon. Right. You never can tell. Um, you know, a lot of people think Louisville. I think more people actually think Texas. I, the the one thing that seems weird about it to me is, like, Louisville's been there forever. Texas has been there forever. It, it seems kind of str- – like, I understand people that are going, why is this happening on April 27th when those two could have happened 
you know, and I understand Louisville had a coaching change, so that's a little different. But like Texas could have happened at any point in the last seven months, and frankly, that's what most people expected for a long time. Mm-hmm. They thought Texas was the leader, and then I understand people who will go, "Why did it stretch out this long?" And then he just goes to the school everybody thought he was going to five months ago. But I also say, like, he gets to make the decision when he wants to make it, not on our time. Table. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're not going to try to pretend to know what, you know, he was looking for, what his decision-making process was. I mean, you know, perhaps perhaps Texas was always the favorite, but the family wanted to hear from uh, from other options. Perhaps, I don't know, they, they changed their sales pitch. Perhaps he wanted to go somewhere else and it fell through. It's it's tough to know, but, I mean, the, uh, the bottom line is it, it looks to be wrapping up. And uh, Missouri's in the mix, but doesn't, seems to be a, a not the favorite right now. Yeah, so um, that's kind of that. And so they add Blake Henson. They have one more spot. Mm-hmm. I I guess they take Drew Smith and Too have many two Smiths, guards sitting at, Yeah, Two guards. Yeah, that'll be the third Smith out of 13 <laughs> scholarship players. But I guess if they took him, I mean, they got two guards sitting out next year. And, like, I know this terrifies Missouri fans, but your point guard situation is pretty much Jordan Geist and Xavier Pinson and – I think Jordan Geist is your starter in that situation. Oh yeah, we had a lengthy, lengthy debate about this on the message boards yesterday about the uh, the Geist starting uh, point guard situation. Look, I mean, I think you know, Conzo. People say he didn't make an effort towards graduate transfer options. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't know for sure, but it seems like those players just have so many options that mm-hmm. you know the the highly sought after graduate transfer point guards are just. I mean, it's it's very hard to woo those kids. I think you know as a result, he maybe put a lot of eggs in the uh, in the Ramey basket and decided if not, we're going to take Drew Smith and just maybe you know have a little bit of a bridge here. I think he. I mean, I think. Conzo obviously has told us he he likes and trusts Jordan Geist. I, don't, I know that, but I also think if he were being honest, he would probably say he would rather have someone else share the uh, ball handling responsibilities, yeah. as we saw and last season. But, like Xavier Pinson, I think will be he'll he'll be a backup. But I think like he's always the impression I've always gotten is this is going to be a guy that he's not going to come in and be a power five, a high major starter day one, like right. year two, year three. Yeah, he, he maybe is the guy that can take over, and then obviously you add Mark Smith and everything looks different. But I don't think Xavier Pinson's trotting out as your starting point guard game one. No, I think he's the type of guy that maybe even if you have more depth on a roster, might might redshirt or might just, you know, come in, every, you know, towards the end of a half or, or whatever. But, I mean, as it is right now, I think, you know, unless something very unexpected happens, he'll certainly see some some playing time next year. So we should know a little bit more, I think, by Friday evening. Uh, again, all indications are Ramey's going to do whatever he's going to do on Friday, and then I think we'll probably know quite a bit, uh, quite a bit more about a week from now when you know we see what shakes out with Drew Smith. Uh, I think it's Missouri, Virginia Tech, Xavier. We see what uh, shakes out with Blake Henson, probably between Missouri and Ole Miss, and then we see if if Conzo does anything over the summer and in what roster movement there may be. Obviously, the Jonte Porter piece is still hanging out there. That'll happen at some point. So, uh, I don't know. I think we covered it. Yeah, I think we so. Good? Well, it's just still waiting. Yeah, and next week we are going to have uh, Carissa Schweitzer on the podcast. She probably will set like four more records between now and then so we'll talk about all those so a little bit off the beaten path uh, next week for you guys but uh that's what we got this week talk to you in a week